brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. It's sippin' time. Welcome to the Sips episode, where everything good in life is worth discussing. We are the best thing on at 2 a.m., and we thank you for choosing to listen to us instead of the BBC Scotland program called Out of Doors and the riveting episode this week about how to identify songbirds by their songs. Hey, you arrested bastard. You don't like Scottish people. What's wrong with you? Brett, I want to ask, what does your song sound like, man? What does it sound like? Uh, you'll hear yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what it sounds like. So there you go. Hey, this is Good Old Boy Mike. And joining me here on this show today is Made Man Brent. It's always a pleasure to be here. Made Man Bob. Howdy, howdy. Good old gal Carrie Ann. Hello. Good old boy Jason. Hello. Made Man Maury. I'm here. Good old boy, Justin. Hello. And good old gal, Denise. Hello, everyone. Our sip segments are all about wine, distilled spirits, tea, and coffee. On this episode, we're going to be discussing rye whiskey, but in the most unique way that you've ever heard. Upside down? No. (laughs) Bring a dress? Backwards. The Cuban way. Rubber nuns outfit? Yeah. I'm going to wear pants today? No. 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 This is a blind tasting of all MGP six-year rye from different non-producing distillers using the exact same MGP product. That's right. We did that thing that you and your whiskey buddies have talked about for years, and that strikes fear in all of these producers. We're going to actually tell you more about this fascinating exercise in a moment. But first, Denise is going to give us uh, the lineup that we're going to have in this blind tasting. I don't mind if I do. So, this morning, the six-year rye whiskey we are going to discuss today are Rebel Yell, Oh la la, James E. Pepper, Nashville Barrel Release Number 3, Templeton, Sagamore, and Redemption. So, a really great lineup, you know, that we have going on uh, for this show today. Hey, Mike, that's only seven. Or if you need to know what that is... 33 and a third of seven is 2.331. Uh, thank you, math wizard of the legal profession. Uh, Carrie Ann was using all of her fingers and also arrived at only seven. Now, there's a zinger in this flight, but that's not quite time to reveal just what I did to all of you. Bob, you rarely get to go over our SIPS ratings, but the challenge today is... Can you make it sound like you're one of the distillers that just found out that they were at the bottom of this blind tasting? <laughs> I'm just still trying to figure out why Carrie Ann's only got seven fingers. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Southern math. <laughs> it's Alabama math. That's oh, what it is. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh yeah. Man, <laughs> I'm yeah. Is missing I, knew that, yeah. I knew that yeah. it would go down hard. That was, that was. Well, when a couple of them are ground together like that. so. Yep. 
All right. We're, we're going to be tasting these rye whiskeys and rating them with these sips ratings plus our signature sounds. And we're doing it as one of the folks here that thought they were going to do well and didn't do actually well. Hmm. So one sip. Give me a glass of water to wash out my mouth. That was the dejected one. Let's go with the angry one. Nice. What else do you have? Okay. Well, isn't that nice? Sarcasm? Hmm. Interesting. What was this again? Interesting. Very pissed off. Very pissed off? Let's keep this a secret, you son of a... Pour me another. <laughs> That's classified. How about pretending that I don't really care? I was unaware anything could be that good. Who cares? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Any of those would apply. So like Mike mentioned, this episode is a blind tasting on MGP six-year rye. If you want a primer on Midwest grain products or MGP, check out an episode that Mike and I did in our back catalog called Love That Indiana Whiskey. We will include a link in our show notes. MGP, or as I still call them, LDI, is the largest producer of rye whiskey and is used by some 100-plus brands. All of their 95.5 rye is 95% European rye and 5% malted barley. All these products, except the Zinger, are using this mash bill. In full disclosure, I am a non-distilling producer and know the MGP products quite well. While I have not used MGP products so far, I've considered it for their rye. It is the most recognizable rye in America. The next largest rye whiskey producer is Alberta Distillers, LTD, or ADL. They make iconic brands like Canadian Club and is used in U.S.-based brands like Whistlepig and Masterson's. I would like to point out, it is frustrating that in America we are not required to say the source of our spirits. We use statements like produced by to hide who actually distilled the product. We have to report it to the government for formula approval, but do not have to put it on the label. I look forward to the day that America catches up with Scotland and Mexico with proper reporting of where things are distilled. I don't know. I've, I've had a few that I really don't want to know where it's coming from, to be honest. <laughs> Jason, I just got lost trying to calculate 33.3% of all this, so I'm going flat fee. Where do I send this bill? Let me make this super easy for the legal scholar. They make the whiskey at this big factory, and then other people buy it, brand it, and sell it to you for at least 33 and a third percent markup or higher. Got that math now, counselor? Look at him smile. That uh, makes sense. Yeah. As soon as he hears a third, he smiles. <laughs> that third that puts him over the edge. Mm -hmm. What Mike has done for us is tortured us with tasting all eight of these products blind. And while all are the same whiskey, they have a huge price range from $29 to $110 a bottle for the exact same whiskey. Not everyone in this flight is aging the whiskey in the same way. Some of these producers are aging these products and bottling them at MGP, where others are taking the whiskey in barrels after three years and then aging it out in another location. So we intentionally tried to avoid single barrel products, products that are blended with non-MGP whiskey or secondary finishing barrels, uh, just trying to keep that all a level playing field. This is, um, you know, arguably the, um, the most level playing field that we could put 
together um, for the same age, same mash bill, same producer. So we talked a little bit earlier, um, you know, prior to uh, you know, turning on the mics was uh, some things that are influencing some of that price. And, and Jason chimed in about there's a lot of huge variance in contract pricing from MGP over time. Yeah, absolutely. I, it very much depends on how old your contract is as prices have gone up because bourbon is a commodity. So uh, that is one thing that has influenced, you know, this huge price range of these products, because some of these products have been out for 10 years, uh, even maybe longer, and have enjoyed, you know, the aggressive uh, contract prices that were available, you know, at that point in time. There are uh, products in here that have, you know, only recently been purchased over the last year as well. And you're seeing some of that huge price increase, you know, from MGP directly, you know, reflected in some of the bottle pricing here as well. Absolutely. And I think you're even seeing some middlemen uh, markup price because as bourbon is a commodity, investment groups have invested heavily in that commodity and raised the price up themselves being uh, suppliers of this so-called commodity. So uh, there's a lot of things here that are influencing some of that price range, both time, contract pricing from MGP, as well as the how uh, direct, you know, the NDP, you know, maybe getting that whiskey itself if it's going through another source and really having to bear that additional cost as well. So there's a lot of things, you know, to keep in mind here. But at the same point in time, the, from the consumer's perspective, what's in the bottle is exactly the same. And so, uh, you know, you should really keep some of that in mind that uh, while it may be difficult to understand or navigate a lot of those components that may be contributing to that price variation, what's in the bottle? It's all MGP, six-year ride at the end of the day. So um, it really is uh, quite an interesting conversation that we're going to have today around the six-year ride. Bob, you had a question? Yeah. What's the zinger? Yeah, I knew you'd get to that. Uh, princess of patience. Uh, so My mother didn't raise anybody with patience. At least he's a princess of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, I'll always be your princess. So, listen, our approach today is we're actually going to go over our uh, top three in reverse order. Um, so, you'll have to hang around, you know, a bit uh, so you'll actually understand what our number one pick is. Um, it's the only but, way you're getting anybody to hang around and listen to this. Yeah, we have a, a lot of great things that we're going to be talking about on uh, the next two segments. Not only our top three, but we're going to talk about our bottom choice and uh, kind of what we thought about, you know, the exercise in general. A lot of lessons learned uh, that I think we all had. You know, we always learn an awful lot through each of our blind tastings. Bob saying no. He just has one question for us. Yeah. Uh, Ever learn anything? Yes. <laughs> and of course, Justin's going to continue to ask, what is 33 and a third of every every math element that's on here as well? <laughs> so, he has another question. His other question is always, is this a billable hour? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I hope you'll come back and join us here uh, for our next segment. I'm going to take a uh, one-minute break, and we'll be right back. We'll talk about our number three pick out of this blind tasting. Hey, welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. On today's episode, we are going over a blind 
tasting of MGP Six Year Rye, and we're going to go through our top three picks in reverse order. Brent's going to introduce our number three pick out of the blind. Thanks, Mike. Our number three is an MGP Six Year Rye product. This Templeton. It's one of the products is age stated as six years. Uh, this has been on the market for a while, since 2010, and we have not reviewed this product before, so this is a new product for us to review. This is, uh, they have a, they have a six-year product. They have a six-year product that's blended with a 10-year, but for our purposes, we're just doing the six-year product. The, it came in at number three. It's got, um, it's got some dry rye notes, a little bit of caramel to it and stuff on your, on your nose, on the palate. It's not my typical MGP rye. I don't get that right away at all. I get some caramel. I get some cherry. I get some oak. I get a little bit of herbal notes. And, um, you know, for me, it was just a little bit off putting from, because it wasn't a typical MGP. This product retails for $35. Jason, what do you think of this one? Um, I'm going to agree. It's not your typical MGP rye. Um, I didn't get any of that overall menthol, mint, grassy flavor that I normally get from MGP rye. I got a lot of sweetness and a lot of caramel from this. I, I very much uh, appreciated this product. Hmm. Bob, what do you think of this? Uh, this one really kind of split it for me. Um, the palate on it, I love. The palate was really nice. You know, had a really nice, big, bold, deep flavor. Some burnt sugar, uh, almost like English toffee. Um, you know, it's got a good mouthfeel to it. But the nose on this one was just almost sickly sweet to me for some reason. Um, I don't know if I've got reverse COVID or something, but it was just, it was too sweet for me. It was sort of overpowering. I kind of want to know what the symptoms of reverse COVID are. Yeah, the, the herbal notes on this one is what put me off on it for me. Yeah, but the palate was fantastic. I, I really like the palate. I, I, I rated it really high on that. So, Denise, what did you think of this product? Well, you know, in a lot of our episodes, Bob and I tend to be on the same wavelength. And so definitely for me, I, I, I wouldn't say sickly sweet, but it was definitely really sweet on the nose. It was over the top. It was, yeah. A really sweet, floral sort of note to it. Um, not off-putting, but just more sweet than i would typically love um but i thought that on the palate it came through with um i think what did you say bob brown sugar yeah, like burnt like sugar i brown, got brown burnt sugar like english toffee yeah i got toffee some like toasted coconut yeah. i mean i thought it had a nice mouthfeel the finish was girl. a little we're bit um we're always insane the finish was a little bit shorter than i like but yeah. i you know overall i thought it was really nice well, cool. Uh, so our SIPs rating here for the Templeton six-year rye is going to be a SIPs rating of three. Interesting. So where's the zinger? Yeah, I know. Not just yet, <laughs> Princess of Patience. But our number two. Zinger, 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 <laughs> zinger. But our number two MGP six-year rye product is fairly new at the time of this recording. It's not widely available, but it's making a big splash on the Middle Tennessee market. Nashville Barrel Company, Sample D, is releasing single barrels and small batch blends. This is the only single barrel in the lineup, which was B57. Uh, B52. And is labeled release <laughs> like the B52s, exactly. They do not have a rye blend. 
but it was unavailable at the time to be included in this blind tasting. Mike, I know you've tasted many of these barrels. Do you think this is a good representation of MGP six-year rye? Yeah, you know, it's uh, quite a few uh, barrels that I've tried here from the Nashville Barrel Company. You know, probably 50-plus barrels, you know, that I've tasted. Their initial buy was around 200 barrels uh, that they've purchased that they're making their way through. Um, so there have been uh, – I definitely would put release three, which was barrel number 57 – kind of in the dead middle of the taste, you know, range of all these barrels that I, at least that I've had. So, yes, I mean, even though this is a single barrel, um, I, I don't think it's like some exceptional honey barrel because I've definitely had some from National Barrel Company that I would have thrown in that. And there's no way that I would have put it in this, you know, in this lineup because it would have skewed everything. Everybody would have loved it and gone, oh, it's amazing. And that's something you can always find. You know, anytime that you go barrel hunting, you're going to run into something that's like, wow, this just is, you know, amazing off the hook. You know, I, you know, but uh, I do think this one, like I said, is kind of just right in the middle. This is the most expensive product in our lineup as well uh, at $110 a bottle. And one of the things that we talked about that uh, when we were talking about price variation that really, you know, contributed to a lot of that uh, price variation was they actually had to go through another broker. So they did actually did not buy this, you know, directly from MTP. So, so it made them broker. Yeah, it is, you know, and I think what's interesting is, is that they're still selling it all day long, you know, and they're just people that are, they're like, yeah, you know, I don't really care if it, you know, even if it is twice the price of like the Templeton that we just talked about, or I should say three times the price of the Templeton, you know. So, you know, it's an interesting conversation. So I've asked a few people to chime in about this. Justin, what what's some of your tasting notes around uh, the uh, National Barrel Company here? Well, it kind of reminds me of this bubble gum that I had when I was a kid. It's like really sweet, but not too sweet. This was a really good one. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Denise, what do you think of the National Barrel Company? Well, when my, I, I think my initial thought was this is probably my favorite. But then, of course, I went back and I tasted everything a couple more times. Um, I didn't think that it was too sweet. I've often um, been guilty of describing rye as sweet. I sometimes get... Um, a brow beating for that, but rye is sweet and rye can be a very sweet grain. So for me, this had a beautiful balance of the sweet and the spice. So I actually really enjoyed this particular rye because it had just a great balance for me, a nice mouthfeel. It had a nice long finish. I just thought I loved it. So, Bob, what do you think about uh, the Nashville Barrel Company release three year? Well, as usual, I got to agree with Denise. Uh, I think it was well, well balanced. Thank you, Bob. I love you too. And it it balanced the spice against the sweet very well. It wasn't cloying. It was, uh, you know, it's got a, and it's got probably the best finish of any of the ones we've had here. So, you know, that did it for me. I agree with that as well. Brent, what do you think of the uh, Nashville Barrel Company uh, release three? This here is a party in your mouth. This is just full of spice and pepper. That creates an interesting image. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> you With know? that, I'm leaving but, the room. Uh, 
But there's a lot of imagery with Brit that comes to my mind. Yeah. But you know, I'm just glad today it is not clothing optional. Yeah. So, so but this one had the biggest mouthfeel of all of them. I mean, as soon as I went through the samples, this one popped to me right off the bat. Like I was like, this is what I'm going to come back to. Um, the uh, the finish on it was the longest. Uh, it had the best rye notes to it. it was, and this is the one I enjoyed the most for me. Me too, Brent. Me too. And it was a party in Brent's mouth. Okay, well. Mm. <laughs> yep. I don't even think COVID virus killer will kill that. More than antibiotics. <laughs> you remember what they were saying about drinking bleach? Yeah. Might need some antibiotics after that one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and finish this now. <laughs> As a lot of people say, you know, with that product. So uh, our SIPS rating here for uh, the National Bear Company Release 3 is also going to be a SIPS rating of 3. Interesting. How about a zinger? Yep. Uh, we're getting around to it. So I, I had a few more questions here about the National Barrel Company. We have some extra time uh, to kind of talk. So this price point. So $110 a bottle. I mean, I guess the one thing uh, that I thought was interesting with putting this in the blind tasting is almost none of you had had this rye before. It's brand new. I mean, it's it's one of, not one of those things as opposed to some of these other products that were in the blind have been out for be it three, five, even, you know, 10 years. Um, did you find that, you know, now knowing that price point uh, of 110, is there some correlation between, you know, quality and price? There's definitely a correlation. It's, um, it's very costly. And it reminds me of like a peerless two year that came out for those, their own product. And it was a high, you know, a high price point. You know, but it's, uh, you know, when you can get something that's a third of the price and it's it's close, it's not as close as this, but it's, you know, why do you want to pay $110? Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, this is a this is a question that I'm not so sure that a lot of the consumers are around this product are really thinking at it, you know, in a comparative light. Um, you know, I think one of the first products that, I found some initial conversations was lining up against, which is, by the way, not in this flight, um, is the Old Scout Rye. Um, you know, it's probably in a similar price point, you know, um, you know, around here as well. And it also has some elements of availability that are very similar to National Barrel Company. Very difficult to get the Old Scout Rye. Um, just not a lot of it. It's not, you know, although it's widely distributed, it's practically an allocated product. You know, in, in this product here with National Barrel Company, not necessarily an allocated product. It's just being, you know, regionally distributed, you know, at select retailers as well. So, you know, I really wonder, you know, as both the audience, you know, that's being exposed to this product, you know, will they have some similar, you know, reaction to this that they would have with the Old Scout Rye? I mean... Do you think that that's a comparable product, at least from a price point perspective? I'm not talking, you know, the the taste profile, but, you know, both of those things are around that same, you know, price range. Yeah, for the most part, they are. Um, and, they, and, you know, they the taste of the two of them is completely different. But, you know, one's got their own product and one's a source product. So, you know, what do you go with? Yeah. I'm convinced if you if you get enough hype, you can sell almost anything at any price in this market right now. Yeah. 
But I think that speaks to the lack of transparency. I don't think the consumer, Mike, is looking at it and saying, gee, I can get MGP at 29 or 39 or 49 bucks, or I can pay 110. I think the lack of transparency allows these different um, rectifiers, if you will, to bottle stuff and put their own marketing spin and their own hype on it and charge what the market will bear, regardless of what the underlying product really is, where it was made or what it costs to make. Yeah, but but on you know, on the other hand, the, the people who are spending $110 a bottle are generally going to be the whiskey geeks who probably do know where it came from it's 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 more of a hype thing with some of these guys you know some of the stuff we've seen go lately it's just i mean average stuff for a ridiculous price when it's sitting right next to something that's as good if not better for a a half or a third like pappy yeah well you know we're not even gonna go there (laughs) so uh any other comments about my question here you know about price and quality having some correlation you know i just want to chime in with one thing you know what i tell people when i'm at the store shelf and somebody asks me about something being expensive i like to come back to comparable price points to other things found on the shelf and what i and what i really bring it up to is a distillery that i know really well which is like buffalo trace as an example And so somebody says, you know, this bourbon is $100. I'm saying, okay, is it three times better than Eagle Rare? Is it five times better than W.L. Weller? And when I taste a product like this, I compare it to Sazerac Rye, six-year-old, $30 price point. And is it really three and a half times, four times better than that? Would I rather have four bottles of Sazerac six-year-old versus this? Is it really one and a half times better than Thomas Handy or Sazerac 18-year-old? And, you know, I think those are those are tough questions. And um, I think you'd be hard pressed to answer that a product um, could justify that that price point on the shelf. And I think, um, you know, what we have seen is uh, over the next few years that um, some of these non distillers are going to have a tough time staying on the shelf as these bigger guys catch up with supply and demand. And you're, you know, at one hundred and ten dollars next to you know, 20 or 30 products that are in that 30 to $50 price range that are all phenomenal products that are just too hard to find right now, but in the future won't be. Yeah. But I, th- I think the fallibility, I, so I love the way I love your train of thought, but, um, but I'm not so sure that I've really seen consumer behavior, you know, really aligns itself, you know, like to that always, you know, I, I think that they, a lot of people tend to shop price, you know, it's that, you know, top shelf and bottom shelf, you know, pricing moniker that is so popular in many, many, you know, retailers that it doesn't really have anything to do with quality. It's like the stuff up the top is, you know, priced more than the stuff that's on the bottom shelf. And, you know, I think that's what I love about blind tastings. It cuts through all of that discussion, you know, of pricing. And I see that, you know, a lot of head nodding, you know, around, that discussion and the reason why we always love to, you know, come back around to it, you know, as well. So. And I, I will agree with you. I mean, a higher price point will always drive sales in a luxury segment. You know, there, there are people that will always chase that highest price point because they assume expensive means quality. Well, that's an age old problem with both wine and whiskey. Always a problem. Yep. But I think the consumer is becoming more and more educated now because things are so easily findable on your phone, 
Um, and so I, I think that that's going to be a problem as as there's more information about these non-distillers, as the bigger distillers start having more product on the shelves. You know, I think it will drive prices back down, whereas we're now we're seeing them drive up. Well, and I would have to say one of the strange consumer, you know, behaviors that I see around products at certain price point. This, by the way, this comment is not unique to Nashville Barrel Company. I've seen this same thing happen with, you know, Old Scout or a lot of other products. They love the thrill of the kill. And, you know, they're, they, they walk out with that $100 bottle going, you know, I got the thing that nobody else has. Or, I, you know, and a lot of head nodding, you know, again. And again, you know, they're just buying this, you know, purely based on um, uh, allocation and and availability without even tasting a drop of it, you know. And it's this very strange, um, you know, bizarre behavior that you have where, yeah, people are just literally going to the point of buying a car and not even driving it around the block for one, you know, even 20 feet. They're just saying, I'll just take it. I'll just figure it out as I drive off the lot. Or, you know, even better, they'll just leave it on the lot and say, well, I'll just let it sit there and appreciate and sell it for three times retail, you know, later on. Their their intention was never even to enjoy the product to begin with, which I don't understand that. But anyway, so there are a lot of interesting, you know, consumer behavior, uh, you know, that goes around price point. I, I love Jason's, you know, primer about how he thinks about you know, price and quality. I think that's super solid and I think that's great guidance. But I think what's interesting is you're seeing, you know, some other behavior that actually plays out. It's just bizarre land, you know, and, and totally a head scratcher, you know, um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the distillers are starting to react to that. I mean, we never saw a Buffalo Trace product that was more than $200, $300. And now you've got Buffalo Trace products that are, you know, $2,000 a bottle on the shelf. And that is purely playing into that price demand collector, you know, luxury goods segment. And I think you will, you will continue to see that. I just, I hope to see a day where we can all get our, you know, William Lou Weller and our uh, Sazerac 18 on the shelf for sub $100 all the time. I think the Canadians will win at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Alberta, Alberta, right for the win, except in <laughs> hockey. <laughs> well, maybe they could de- declare that their national sport that they could win at whiskey. <laughs> so there you go. Hey, uh, we'll be back in just one minute, and we're going to talk about our top pick out of our top three flight. We're also going to have some more discussion about this exercise with blind tasting MTP six year rye. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to Sip Sudden Smokes. On today's episode, we're going through a blind tasting of eight products that are MTP rye. And, uh, you know, it all is all about the science. So guess what time it is, Bob? I, I, you know, you've teased me long enough. I don't even want to know. Guess, guess what time I it is, Bob? Know. Guess what time it is, care. Bob? Bob, what? it's time for the zinger. Still don't care. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So please check your meds. It happens to be our number one pick, which is actually kind of crazy. Um, it's also a four-year product as opposed to a six-year product, and the mash bill is different. Um, it is 56% rye, 33% corn, 11% malted barley, and it's made from a rye that is actually sourced from Kentucky. So 
our number one pick out of the blind tasting is the Zinger, which was Wilderness Trail. How about that? Didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> So I put Wilderness Trail in this blind tasting just to satisfy my twisted curiosity. Plus, I love screwing with you guys. So I, I knew this was going to be different. I knew that for sure. I've tasted this stuff side by side. But I had no clue. I didn't know if it was going to be like different good or different bad. I had no idea, you know, where you guys were going to stack this up. Um, now, I've actually enjoyed tasting through some 50-plus barrels of Wilderness Trail for store barrel picks as well. And it definitely grabs your attention at a price point of 60 bucks. Uh, Jason, what'd you think of this? Uh, I really enjoyed this product. Um, I thought that it was uh, soft, but sweet. Um, it did have the overall rye notes with a little bit of grassiness, a little bit of hay, but um, overall I thought this was a very complex and, and very delicious whiskey. Wilderness Trail is definitely one of the darlings, you know, um, of new distilleries that are coming online with their own product. Uh, the other one in my uh, short list is New Riff. Um, and I think they're both moving around, you know, some similar, you know, maturity around the same point in time. The other thing uh, that I really like about Wilderness Trail is I think they're really kind of leading a discussion about low barrel entry proof. And one of the exercises that uh, I saw that came out this year, and we'll actually talk about this on um, actually on our best of segment, is uh, Michael Veach actually did a really great blind tasting of comparing Stetzel Well products with uh, modern day products. And he really had this really great discussion about low barrel entry proof. And, you know, a lot of times that discussion comes up why does stuff in the 80s taste so great? That's one of the uh, parts of the equation is, is that they were doing everything at a lower barrel entry proof. And so this is one of the products where that is the case. I do think that the uh, Kentucky rye itself that they're using in this is only used in one other distillery uh, currently that I'm aware of, which is Castle and Key. So it's, it's rather um, innovative that you're seeing something that's made with, you know, uh, locally sourced products. Um, let's see other uh, folks that were going to chime in on the tasting of this. Uh, Maury, what'd you think of this? I thought it was an interesting whiskey. It's fairly complex for me. Uh, the surprise of it is that it, it, it was a little bit hot on the palate. For me, it was the hottest one of the bunch. Yeah. So this is at uh, about hundred proof. Yeah. But not the highest proof in the, in the group, but it just tastes hot. No. Uh, I thought it was nicely made. I really like what they're doing with, uh, with this. And, and to amplify what you're saying about the entry proof, I think the reason you don't see a lot of uh, low entry proof is uh, cost. It's more costly. You're filling up uh, barrels with more water and less whiskey and by, uh, by essentially proofing it down first. So I love doing it at the lower entry proof. Well, it was the distillers that lobbied for that change. Yeah. So, yeah. Great whiskey. I, I thought it was really lovely. Uh, nice mouthfeel. Um, I agree with what uh, Jason said. I think it's got uh, you know all the elements there. Nice balance and um, well made. Well, I think one of the key words uh, that Jason used that I found myself saying with a lot of the Wilderness Trail is that word soft. Um, it it really just has this very appealing, very mellow you know on the front edge of the taste profile. Uh, you know, a lot of ryes have this kind of attack, 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 you know, 
element where you just feel this very sharp element right off the bat and then it either you know the finish kind of mellows out or has a you know sharp finish on the back end this is a what i would call a very round you know taste profile it's it's very soft up front there aren't these dramatic swings you know from the front you know to the back end of the palate and you know a lot of heads you know definitely uh nodding around that one I agree with you, but at the same time, I also felt that it, it actually did taste a little bit young. Uh, for me, when I tasted them blindly the first time through, this was definitely the youngest on the list for me. And uh, I was wondering why, the of all the six years, uh, this tasted younger. And uh, this explains it. It is actually a little younger. So, Maury, did you pick up any corn or something that gave you that, uh, that led you to the... I mean, because this one has 11% corn. Yeah, I definitely picked up some other notes. And when I initially tasted it, I said, it's just off. It's just different from the others. Yep. And as it opened up in the glass and it breathed a little bit, uh, it came around and it was quite nice. But yes, I definitely sensed that there were other either other grains in it or there's been something else in the barrel or the bottle. I was beginning to think that my mind was on palate or playing tricks on me. Um, but now that you've uh, revealed the zinger, I uh, I see that I was not crazy and that I, I noted these other elements in there that uh, just stood out from the rest. Carrie, Ann, I know you've had a ton of the Wilderness Trail, you know, rye as well. What do you think about the taste profile of this and also kind of in the blind in general? Well, so full disclosure is I um, am on the other side of having COVID and having my sense of smell and taste removed from me as my only symptom. Um so I didn't rank today, um, but I am familiar with most of these products, so I have some memory of them. I've tasted a lot of Wilderness Trace. Trail. All of that being Just this said, week alone. <laughs> um, tasting for me right now, because I really did try to taste these and see what I could do. But I think that like the most interesting thing to me um, during this loss of um, smell and taste is that the concentration on what it feels like in my mouth is so much more um, prevalent. And the mouth feel is something I think it gets lost a little bit um, while we're smelling and tasting wonderful, beautiful, strong aromas and the flavors. It's, it's why I like that word soft. Yeah. Mouth feel um, has some weightiness to it that I recognized um, out of the group. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked it because I thought it was all MGP. Um, but it does have quite a different mouthfeel from the others, and I love that um, that weightiness of it. But Wilderness Trail in general. Um, their four-year products coming up, I have just really enjoyed. I think that they, um, I mean, you can tell that it's younger than the rest of this group, I'm sure, but I think that they're aging. Um, they show a little more age than um, their statements um, from a lot of the rise that I've tasted with them. I'm really fan of Wilderness Trail. I think they're doing cool stuff. Very much so uh, as well. Uh, and I, I definitely, uh, that was one of the reasons I intentionally, you know, put this in, you know, the lineup as a singer that how interesting that you're talking about something that's two years younger. And yet I think is really outstripping, you know, uh, the quality of some things that are not only a lot older, but, you know, are twice the price, you know, as well. Justin, what do you think of this? So the defining characteristic of MGP for me is that mint menthol note. And when it's young, it's a little harsh. And when you get an older, well-balanced MGP, it enhances the taste. And obviously this one didn't have it. You taste the ingredients that they had the least of um, first, like the barley, 
hit me first, then the corn, and then the finish was all rye. And the balance was incredible. And I think that what I love about blind tasting is it, is it breaks the brand halo. It takes all the experiences that you've had before and it, and it just really forces you to judge this one spirit alone. So I, I like this. Cool. Excellent. Well, our sips rating here for the Wilderness Trail is going to be a four. That's classified. So, uh, great one, two, three, um, and uh, a great discussion about each of those. And thanks for uh, entertaining uh, the zinger in this, everybody. I, you're pretty good and quite patient about it. So, so we have uh, some more time here, and I had a couple of other things that I uh, wanted us to to go over, like my taxes. Yeah, so I wanted us to talk about what was at the bottom here. Bob, you are going to introduce this for us. All right, well, we like to include what was at the bottom of the blind tastings, and uh, and the number eight pick of this group was Sample C, which was from James E. Pepper, and it was also on the lower side of the price range at $45. And the version we had in this tasting was the barrel proof at 114 so if you thought one of the top three picks was there because it was barrel proof, then this is the flip side of that conversation. That proof doesn't always translate to flavor, although I liked it. So uh, could this actually be that you know price and quality have a you know some sort of a correlation? Finally, Justin, you had an observation about all this. Yeah, I think that James Pepper, you know, usually high proof, especially for for this group is better but um balance wasn't there on on this one and it's really interesting because i've had good experiences with this brand when i knew what i was drinking so drinking it blind it it really revealed things that games i was playing in my head that are gone for this for this sample mm. Maury, I know you had a chance to uh, taste this and, and add some strong thoughts about the James E. Pepper. What'd you think about the? What'd you think about this? Um, I thought it was not bad. Uh, it was not my favorite, but I thought it was uh, for me. It was more middle of the pack than than bottom of the list. Um, I was a little surprised when at the reveal as to what it was, but I, I did want to add that in case you were wondering, thirty three and a third percent of forty five would be fourteen dollars and ninety eight cents. I am so shocked that Justin <laughs> didn't think of that first. Well, so you're both a doctor and a lawyer. You can figure that out like on the fly. Is that that's it? correct. A scholar and a gentleman he is. That's right. I think I just heard Bob say, do not swell his ego that much, Mike. <laughs> so <laughs> You couldn't swell his ego anymore. His head would explode. Are you saying that there's a state limitation on the size of Maury's ego? That's right. <laughs> no, there's no limitation on it. The only thing keeping it in is his skull. <laughs> what's the what's the label transparency on that so <laughs> jason i know you had some thoughts here about the shamesy pepper as well yeah i was not a big fan um mm. i can tell you nosing it i got like pure ethyl alcohol um and um on the taste profile i wrote all alcohol little flavor and then a almost like a chemical aftertaste that lingered in my mouth for a while. And I, I don't know what it is, but there there's, I don't know if it's this barrel. I want, I like hope it's a bad bottle, but there's like an off taste to this one for some reason. Yeah. So that's kind of my leading question here. I mean, what do you think went wrong with this product? There's some reason why we all stuck it at the bottom. 
I didn't quite stick it at the bottom. I was in the middle with this one. It was, it had, because I thought there was some that were worse, and that's the reason I I put it in the middle. But uh, um, for me, it, it was, a lot of them got muddled in the middle. You know, they were just kind mm -hmm. of, you know, like, okay, well, is this one really worse than this one? Is this one really worse than this one? And yeah, they really didn't distinguish themselves in the middle. It was very, very hard to distinguish. It, it was. And so this kind of, it kind of just left me right there in the middle of the, of the pack. I didn't have it at the, I didn't have it at the bottom. I had it closer to the top. I mean, but doesn't that make perfectly good sense since they're all the same? Yes. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad, honestly. Mm. Well, before I forget it, our sips rating for this was actually a two. Well, isn't that nice? Jason, you were starting to speculate some things that, you know, could have gone on here. Um, bad barrel, bad batch, you know. Bad cork. I mean, yeah. it could be a lot of different things. I mean, it could have been a bad filter when they filtered it. Um, the water could have been too hard or too soft when they blended it down. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, that's the, that's the toughest part of it when you're a non-distiller is you're, you're shipping these barrels across the country. I mean, they could have shipped them in a hot tractor trailer um, that cooked the whiskey too much. They could have shipped them cold that, you know, froze the whiskey too much. They could have banged around inside the truck and, and imparted too much of the wood. Um, I mean, there is just so many things that can go wrong, when, especially when you're moving whiskey around the country like that. Any quick comments in the next 30 seconds about lessons learned from the blind tasting you want to share? Um, yes. Why did you uh, subject us to this? Um, <laughs> yeah. Can we turn the lights on now? It was a Thursday. What can I say? You know? <laughs> well, thank you God got? we're blind what because Brent is not do? wearing pants again. Any other lessons learned? I know what 33 and a third of everything is. Excellent. Yeah. Jason. I was going to say, uh, have a lot of crackers and bread when you're drinking all the same things. Cause I kept revisiting things really, really mm -hmm. quickly. And before I knew it in like 20 minutes, I think I had like six shots of whiskey and I was like, um, I'm gonna need some dinner. Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, I need to give a big shout out to whiskey house Nashville for helping source some of these samples for this show a stellar organization doing great things for other people using the power of whiskey. You can contact them at info at whouse.club for more information about membership or a tasting event you will never forget about. Pants optional. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're listening to us online, do yourself a favor and tap the subscribe button. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a root. <laughs> that is the easiest way to listen to our show. Um, or ask Siri, Alexa, Google, or Uncle Larry. Play podcast, Sip Sudden Smokes. We love your feedback, and you can reach us online anytime at info at sipsuddensmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter at Smokes is our handle, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. You'll also be able to interact with thousands of other fans on those social media platforms. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a great big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. I want to thank uh, each of our co-hosts for being here. Carrie Ann, you are all things all over the place. Straight Up 615, Bourbon Steward, 
and your new column on Whiskey Wash. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so straightup615.com. Vinepair called me one of the whiskey Instagram accounts you should be following. So who am I to argue? Straight up dot six one five on Instagram. I run my mouth a lot. Sometimes you get a picture of my dogs. I want to thank each of our co-hosts for being here as well. Justin, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Mike. Main man, Maury. Bob, uh, Bob. Uh, well, it's usually Bob. Tonight it's Mike. Mike, uh, fantastic lineup. I, I appreciated the zinger very much. And I do want to plug that uh, barrel proof whiskey kills COVID. So another reason to drink more whiskey, anything above 60% ABV will kill the COVID in your throat before it gets to your lungs. If you drink plenty of barrel drink whiskey, you will never catch the COVID. And bleach. I've just been <laughs> drinking a lots of whiskey, not barrel aged whiskey. So there's my downfall. I'll have to switch. You need to up your proof game, Mike. <laughs> Made man Brent, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks. I'm not sure I appreciated uh, being abused like this with some of these products, but you know. <laughs> you're still not putting the pants back on. I you? will just do it early and often from now on. <laughs> Made man Bob, thanks for joining us. Well, like I had anything else to do tonight. So <laughs> good old boy Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the free booze. And uh, good old gal, Denise. Thanks, everyone. Be nice to me. I might be your nurse one day. Ah, for sure. Remember, I get to pick your catheter size. (laughs) This is good old boy Mike asking you to come back. Join us for another exciting episode of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. And I will ask you to keep on sipping. Do they make those catheters an extra large? Just asking for a friend. They do. (laughs) That would be the diameter, Bob, not the length. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time. (laughs) 